I was actually born here, not quite 56 years ago, but not too far off. <laughs> so it's always great to come back to to Devon. And um, 25 years on, Gaynor still hasn't quite adapted to my driving along the country lanes, but um, I love it here. And uh, so it's it's great to be with you this morning and uh, just to see the just the warmth and affection that you have for one another as well, um, particularly just as we're praying. Um, that's a, that's a mark of a, a healthy church, isn't it? That we are brothers and sisters in the Lord and we're family together. So that's that's wonderful. Um, on the theme of presence and pilgrimage, God's given us a song to sing and a story to share. And um, I don't know about you, but I find it incredible that of all the different ways that God could have chosen to communicate his heart to us, um, he teaches us to sing. In the center of God's word to us, God's Bible, um, is a songbook. Have you ever thought about that? Remarkable. God could have chosen all sorts of ways that he wanted to communicate his heart, but he gives us a songbook. And um, could we just uh, have about slide... Three up, please. Thanks. Brilliant. Um, at the heart of God's book to us are songs and the pilgrimage psalms. So we just read at the start of the meeting Psalm 84. The pilgrimage psalms were the songs that God's people sang as they journeyed to Jerusalem to their annual party. And um, they expressed this desire, this longing to be in God's presence. But the road to get there is long, hard, and tough. Um, the preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he uh, talked about this psalm, and he called it the sweetest psalm. And he nicknamed it the pearl of the psalms, which sounds lovely, doesn't it? But the thing about a pearl is that it's formed by an irritant. And uh, I think the psalms really help us to connect with God in our kind of ordinary, gritty, difficult lives. So they're really a gift to us in this sense. And um, I'm just going to just set the context for this psalm. Um, so the Old Testament paradigm that the psalmist was operating in was that you had to go to a certain place at a certain time to access God's presence. Um, a tent a tabernacle that became a temple. And then about a thousand or so years after Psalm 84 was written, we read that the word, Jesus, became flesh. And it says in, in John uh, 1, verse 14, he tabernacled amongst us. And then Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at festival time and began saying radical things like destroy this temple, tear it down, and I will rebuild it in three days. And then the Apostle Paul writes that God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile, to bring together all things, whether things in earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then in a continuation of the story then, Jesus becomes the new tabernacle, the new temple, the new place of God's dwelling here on earth. But the progression doesn't stop there. Paul writes again. He says, you should know that you yourselves are God's temple. God's spirit 
dwells in you. And so this is the mind-blowing bit. God's presence is no longer confined to a particular place, a temple or a tent, but God's presence now dwells in his people. You yourselves are God's temple. God's spirit dwells in you. Now, it might take a little bit of faith, depending on who you sat next to, but just look around the room at your fellow kind of presence people. We are now the very dwelling place of God. It's an incredible plan that God's got, isn't it? Such diversity, such richness, all inhabited by the spirit of God. So we are God's presence carriers, and it's always been God's intention, God's heart for everyone to experience his presence. No limits on God's presence. And elsewhere, the psalmist glimpses this reality, and he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Next slide, please. Um, and we foster, we cultivate the presence of God in our everyday lives. Richard Foster says this, we need to be absolutely firm in our insistence that smack in the middle of everyday life is precisely where prayer and intimacy with God need to be developed. The vast majority of us build a history with God right in the middle of our families and places of living and working among our friends and neighbours. These places comprise the holy ground where we are to find God. The truly holy place for us will be at our office or workbench, at the playground with children, or in the quiet sanctuary of our home or neighbourhood. don't know if our homes are always quiet sanctuaries, but they are the dwelling place of God. So who you are and where you are really does matter to God because we are presence carriers. Now, I don't know if you've seen in the Psalms, there's this little word that appears from time to time that says Salah. And um, I kind of like to think of it at that moment in the in the Psalm where David broke his guitar string and he needs to change it. And he says, hold on a minute, just whilst I do this, Salah. But um, it's probably, if you think about it, if it had had a, if there was like an obvious translation, it probably would have been translated into English. But it, it kind of means, have a think about that for a moment. Pause, reflect on what that means. Before we rush forward, let's just take that in. Let's just chew on that for a moment. So Gainey's going to help us just do that right now. We're going to lead us in an ancient prayer practice that's about 500 years old that's called Examine. And it was uh, cultivated by somebody called St. Ignatius, uh, somebody in Spain. And uh, I think it really helps to for us to put into context and to really ground what we're hearing in God's word and also uh, contexts in our own life. I ask God to make his presence known to me in this moment. I feel his presence around me and rest in it. I spend a few moments in gratitude, thanking God for one or two of the blessings, big and small, that I've received in the last couple of days. 
I look back on the last few days and I ask God, who wore your face for me? At what moment did you come to me through the words, actions or responses of another person? I relish that moment and I give thanks and praise for the gift of that person in my life at that moment. I look again at the last couple of days and I ask God, in what person did I fail to find your presence or to see your face? What person did I judge to be without goodness? And I relive that difficult moment in my mind, speaking with God about why that moment was a challenge for me. I say to God, whatever wells up in my heart, I ask for wisdom. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for healing. I ask how God was hidden in this person and how I might call forth that presence the next time I encounter that person. I look again at the last few days and I ask God, was there some person I encountered who needed me to be your hands, your feet, your voice or your face, your presence? Did I succeed in manifesting your presence for that person? I try to identify one person for whom I perhaps failed to be God's presence and face. I ask again for wisdom, forgiveness and healing. And I try to think of one person for whom I did succeed at being the presence and the face of God too. I relish this moment, giving thanks for it. I think about my day tomorrow, the places that I'm going to, the rooms in which I might be in, the people who I may encounter or who I know that I will encounter tomorrow. And I ask God to show me a person who might really need me to be his face the next time I encounter him or her. I pray dream that moment. That is, I play out in my prayerful imagination how it might go if I am truly able to manifest God's presence for that person tomorrow. I try to identify one grace I might need to make this happen. And I ask God for this grace right now. 
and to finish as far as I feel called to do so and without putting any pressure on myself, I promise God to do a particular thing based on what I've been praying about during this exam. feel free to open your eyes when you want to and uh, just as you do that I'd like to invite Linda to come and to read something that she's recently uh, written. It came to me in a sort of dream and so it was written very quickly um, and it's just called My Jesus in Everyday Life. Jesus is the King of Hosts Remember that when you're eating your toast. Jesus is the defender of outcasts and the poor. Remember that when you're going out the door. Jesus is there for the prostitutes as they roam. Remember that when you're on your phone. Jesus is a beacon that shines bright. Remember that when you switch on the light. Jesus likes to talk in your head. Remember that when you go to bed. And Jesus wants to be your friend. Remember that until the end. Yeah. I don't think Linda knew what we were going to be speaking on this morning, but what you've just shared, Linda, just sums up perfectly what we've been talking about, really. And, you know, when we, when we go out of those doors at the end of this meeting... We don't move out of God's presence. His presence goes with us because we are presence carriers. And having those everyday tangible reminders of God in our ordinary lives is just exactly what we needed to be reminded of today. So thank you, Linda. Um, let's revisit the psalm with this in mind. And Emily, if you could put the next slide up, that'd be great. Blessed are those whose strength is in God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Notice that as they pass through the valley, and the Valley of Baca was a dry place, a barren place. Um, the meaning is Valley of Weeping or Valley of Mourning, Valley of Tears. Um, there's a modern-day psalmist called Chris Martin who grew up just down the road from here, sings in a band called Coldplay. And um, he kind of riffs off this and he says, every teardrop is a waterfall. That sounds to me like making the Valley of Baca a place of springs. And what this shows us is that there is pain in pilgrimage. And when we think about discipleship, when we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to journey with him, I think it shows us that perhaps we grow in the places that we like the least. We grow in the places that we like the least. So if you feel like you're experiencing a valley of Baca today, um, I believe that God is forming something precious and pearl-like in you in this time. And 
that works for us as individuals. And also, I think when we look at the world around us, uh, there's lots to lament, isn't there? Nationally, internationally, our world is broken and our society is struggling. And so we need to look and ask, what is God wanting to form in these days? And how do we participate in what God is doing in our world? One of the things that we see throughout church history is that times of crisis always precede renewal and revival. And I believe that we're living in days of just incredible spiritual hunger, where people are coming to an end of their own answers, their own abilities, and they are seeking help elsewhere. I don't know if you've experienced that amongst your neighbours or your work colleagues. Uh, just earlier this week, Gary and I sat with the uh, leader of Derby City Council, and she was basically saying to us that the council have not got the answers, the council have not got the resources. Tell us what the faith communities are up to, and we'll get behind the faith communities because we see the role that faith communities have to play in holding our city together right now. And I'm sure it's probably true in, in Exeter and Exmouth and, and Haverley as well. Um, as presence carriers pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs not just for themselves, but for others. Next slide, thanks. And look what happens. The autumn rains appear. Now, we came down to Devon on Friday, and it doesn't seem to have been stopped raining since. So I think we've been experiencing something of this. But the autumn rains appear, and there's a shift in season. And we see this supernatural interplay between heaven and earth. What a great picture for us in terms of what it looks like for us to partner with God as presence carriers and bring a change, bring a shift in the landscape of our towns and villages and cities. And the picture we have is that as God's people walk, springs come up from beneath them, heaven's rain comes down upon them, and the whole landscape around them is transformed. And I believe that each of us in our communities has a part to play as presence carriers in bringing that transformation and seeing our society become a place of springs that we so desperately need. I'm just going to have another moment of Salah. Uh, yeah, so um, I've, I've just put some pieces of paper. If you could pass some of those pieces of paper around on there's just Sorry, I just put one pile here. Um, if you just pass those around and a pen, or if you've got a pen, you can get a pen out. And uh, I just wanted to give us a little bit of time, really, to think about what our Valley of Baca is. Because I think uh, perhaps many of us feel like we are walking in the Valley of Tears at the moment. Or perhaps we are walking with other people who are in the Valley of Tears at this time. And um, I, just as we've been thinking about this psalm and this particular verse in this psalm, I really believe that God wants to give us permission to walk in the valley, permission to walk in his presence, also to walk in the presence of each other as well. I don't think we go into that valley alone, but we go with one another. And so there's something here of, if you like, for want of a better word, a permission slip <laughs> from the Lord to walk in 
to the uh, to the valley of Baca, and with faith and hope that perhaps we could make that a place of springs as we walk through. And uh, I'm going to enlist the help of another Psalter called Bruce Springsteen. If you, Emily, if you could put that record on that record, record, exactly, exactly. Sh- <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, 1960s again. Um, and uh, this song is called This City's in Ruins. And you might think, oh, thanks very much, Gainer, for playing a song like that. But it's a, actually, it's a brilliant mix of an acknowledgement of the Valley of Baca for him in the Midwest of the US, for us in Exeter, for us in our own lives as well, too. But it's also a great combination of the lyrics that say, you know, rise up as well. So it's a, it's a real encouragement. So it, you just play that right now, Emily. That's brilliant. Brilliant. So just, just as we play this song, just begin to write down some of those valleys that you're walking in yourself or that you're walking with other people. And as you write those, just want you to feel God's permission to walk in those valleys. So I'm just going to give us a moment and then we're going to, then we're going to pray about some of those things together. Okay, so get thinking, get praying, get writing um, and get listening as well. Brilliant. You can just turn it off a little bit actually, Emily. I can't, yeah, it's good to pray Bruce at a decent level, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. My city of ruins. My city of ruins. Now the sweet bells of mercy trip through the evening trees. Young dead on the corner like scattered leaves. The bulb window. The empty street of my brother's down on the street. My city of ruins. My city of Now there's tears on the floor. Yeah, let's just begin to raise these things up in our hearts, Lord. Let's just begin to to bring these people, these places, these situations before the Lord. But also, not to say, well, there you are, Lord, do something with it. But to actually say, Lord, I am prepared to walk in that valley. Or maybe even to go back into that valley again. I'm prepared to keep putting one foot in front of the other. 
I'm trusting that maybe this place can be a place of spring. So let's just do that. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we just bring these places to you, Lord. Yeah, we speak rise up to these places, Lord. Yeah, we speak the springs of living water into these places as we walk and as we travel through these places, as we talk with these people, as we listen to these people, as we love these people, as we provide practical help and care for these people. And Lord, I just pray for anybody here this morning that is facing their own valley. I just pray right now that your spirit would come in power and bring an assurance of your presence in the valley, that you are walking with them in that place. Lord, we pray for whatever valleys people are walking in this morning, that it would truly become a place of springs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I wonder, just to finish, could we just all like pray out loud or at the same time? Let's just pray for whatever is on our heart right at the moment. We can pray for ourselves. Okay, pray for our city. Pray for this community. Pray for this school. Pray for the areas of work that you're involved with in this city or maybe in this country or in the nations. So come on, let's just, uh, let's rise up our voices, shall we? Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we just give you, yeah, these things. Bring those things, Lord, into these places, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your springs of living water. Lord, help us to keep walking. Amen. Amen. Just going to, um, next slide, please, Annie. Just going to continue that encouragement as we rise up to continue walking as a church community and i want to just share this quote with you a church which pitches its tents without constantly looking out for new horizons which does not continually strike camp is being untrue to its calling we must play down our longings for certainty accept that which is risky and live by improvisation and experiment and uh, just as we were with some of the, the leaders last night, I just felt this uh, sense of fresh experimentation um, for you uh, as a people. And um, it is for you, and I believe that there is a, a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit right now that you're part of um, across our nation of kind of fresh, flexible approaches to how we journey together as the people of God, as we pursue the presence of God, which will lead to a church of all different shapes, sizes, gathering in small settings around meal tables, in celebrations in schools, a church that is present in our neighborhoods, in our marketplaces, influencing the decision-making of our town councils, as well as meeting the needs of those who are desperate and just turn up on our doorstep, a church that brings renewal and revival to our nation. 
through a people whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, who are so set on their heavenly home that they desperately want to make that a reality in the here and now, on earth as it is in heaven.